0: Welcome, everybody, to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 76 for Tuesday, August 18th. I'm Alex Zui, here today with Alex Drudy, Farbod Markazi, and Ray Estrada. How are you guys doing?
1: Fantastic.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, we're still going along here. We're trying to stay on the weekly podcasts, and today we're going to talk about the the recent news. Of course, more COVID-related Suspend, or suspended games and in, in news like that, we'll discuss the prospects of a playoff bubble and the need for it, and we'll also follow up on a couple of the stories that we talked about last week with the, the A's and Astros suspensions, as well as how the Indians are handling punishments for their own uh, coronavirus uh, protocol breaches, and then we will also discuss baseball viewership and how that's kind of changed... Throughout this uh, this shortened season, a very different season than any other year. So, uh, all that to come. So let's get right into it. Let's go ahead and start by talking about the newest team to be dealing with coronavirus. Uh, suspend suspensions, I guess. Right, uh, that's that's what they're called. Postponements. Postponements. Yeah, they. I guess they are yeah. know, fully expected to Suspending play the games. The games are
2: games that get stopped in the middle. You you make up.
0: Okay, uh, my terminology was not on point there. M- my mistake, but the Reds did have uh, at least one positive test on Friday, I believe, and did not play this past weekend. Although reports at this point say that they have not had any positive any new positive tests in the last round of tests. Uh so they're expected to resume uh fairly shortly. But this has been Every single day since the Marlins' first postponed game that there has been at least one uh, coronavirus-related postponement on the schedule. And that is, that's is—that's a long time ago, if you remember. I think it's over 20 days. It might be 22 days yeah. at this point right now. So it's clearly not a problem that's gotten... Maybe it's gotten better, but it hasn't been solved by, by anything that's gone on. And, you know, last week we talked about the Indians taking uh, much more extreme actions uh, with regards to players who violated protocols and left the team hotels on the road and, and went and saw their people. That was uh, Zach Plezak and Mike Clevenger. And they were handed quite the punishment. They were both demoted from the team. Um, there's a lot to go into there. Uh, but I guess. The, the first question that I'll ask is just kind of a general one is like, do you, do you think that anything's changed really in the last two weeks in with regards to how teams and, and major league baseball has responded to things, or do you think there really hasn't been enough that's been done? Uh, I, oh Rudy, I'll, I'll ask you first.
3: Mm. I mean, in terms of policy, I guess, them implementing supposedly more stringent protocols, like having a singular person responsible for uh, managing uh, the rules for the teams and uh, supposedly adding some more like restrictions on contact and so-and-so. So in theory, I guess the answer is yes. But in practice, I haven't really seen any change for two reasons that I'll go into in a second. But I think it really, it really all just shows you that the MLB is really going to do whatever it takes just play the season and complete it, no matter how ugly it looks or gets. Um, that's really all they care about. And it's really playing with fire. I think it is It is a little scarier than is maybe the league and the teams are kind of really, I feel like they're kind of like rejecting the true risk that they uh, are sub to some extent, a little bit of denial. Um, but, I mean, the two examples that kind of, I think, show that it's really not getting any better is that, you know, the Indians had Clevenger and, uh, please Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both yes. like on their recent trip to Chicago, like meet up with friends and, you know, I liked their reaction to that, which was to send them, um, option them back to the extended spring training. I think that's a great way of handling it. But, um, I know, uh, a player on the Indians response to that was that they were going to opt out as a result. So if like, you know, I've been pro player this entire time. You, I think I've, I've pretty been pretty consistent there. But, th- I mean, this is, that's just unacceptable in so many ways uh, in that entire storyline. I don't, I don't even know what to say with that. I mean, at the end of the day, like, we can bash the league and Manfred all we want for their incompetency and their uh, terrible attitude and their greed and et cetera. But if that's, like, the player's approach to this season... I mean, I, I think that's pretty disgusting, and I, I don't I don't I don't know I just don't know how many times you can take these risks and get away with it. And the last thing I'll just say is that I think they they also said they were gonna ban like the cloth, like the the, the fabric masks like the can, like the cloth ones that, like are part of like the jerseys you know kind of like the. Uh, Ah, uh, balaclavas that mm-hmm. like uh, Fraser wore, for example, and clearly those are still commonplace, even though they said those weren't good at restricting the virus. So um that's kind of like a nitpick, but I think just that inconsistency is one example that kind of demonstrates, is like demonstrative of their entire poor handling of the situation. All right, done with rant. Thank you.
2: I I um, think. Yeah, I think the big thing is that. Yeah. A lot of this, this one, the players going out, but I think the MLB has done an awful job of protecting the players from themselves. Uh, I went out a whole ranty article when that Reds thing came out Friday night. Um, uh, see it on our website. Um, but like the MLB is so and everything reactive. It's took a Cardinals the second outbreak to say guys couldn't go to restaurants and bars as part of the protocols, and like that. that, sh- that you would feel that would be the the basis of it. Don't go out to you know major public places where there's crowds of people, and so that's that's reactive. Guys are still going out. Like I said, the Indians are the only team that we've seen have to restrict guys after going out. Uh, we police second Clevenger. We like said we'd rather see those headlines than outbreaks. Uh, some teams, it, you know, are are buying in. Maybe guys aren't going out as much and and stuff like that, but. It's you can't expect every single player to be responsible. So the MLB needed to safeguarding a set, and they just didn't. And so, like like I said, it they failed the season when they say that you know health and safety is at the top of their priority list. They failed on on that end.
1: I think uh, Ray brings up a really good point that it's not necessarily the MLB has done much to be better at this, but they've done also just been a t- been terrible at protecting the players from themselves. And, I mean, with the Indians, Oliver Perez said that he would leave the team, like Rudy said, if Plesak and Clevenger returned. Uh, their Plutko, their, one of their other pitchers, basically said they hurt us bad, they lied to us, they sat here in front of you guys and publicly said things that they didn't follow through on. So it's not like the players are really helping... <laughs> helping the situation, uh, helping mitigate any spread, helping, um, like, trying to make up for what the MLB is lacking for it. With the Reds, I was actually kind of surprised because I know the Reds so far this season have, have been pretty – they haven't been reactive. They've been proactive um, with the with the coronavirus. And I know they at the beginning of the season, they had a couple scares whose player, and those players voluntarily, voluntarily put themselves on the COVID IR just in case. Um, COVID, I, whatever. Yeah. Um, they sat out. Yeah, they sat out just in case. So I am I was honestly pretty surprised that a player on the Reds got it. I'm really looking forward to Trevor bowers next couple of vlogs just <laughs> to um, see what that looks like. I've already watched um, his most recent one. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Indians – it seems like the Indians and the Ohio teams right now are become or have been the most proactive, at least.
0: Yeah, it's it'll always just come down to that, the, whether or not they're proactive or reactive in every step of the way. It's been a reactive case by case uh, event so far. So hopefully, you, once the Reds do return to play, that there is a little bit of a break. From the constant postponements, because it definitely is showing on the daily schedule at this point, just the impacts of of really two teams that have faced significant setbacks in in their seasons. The Cardinals right now are they're currently playing the first game of a, a doubleheader today in their ninth game of the season at this point. They're four and four, and their schedule, man, is just brutal for for anybody but you know that's that's just how they decided to go with it they decided these postponed games will be played in the form of what was the exact number of double headers that they'll have Um, 11 11 yeah at least yeah it's a good thing to mention as well yeah but that's a lot of double headers over over that span you know teams that are likely already playing a full seven days now have some double headers thrown in there. It's, it's just a lot to deal with. Um, do you guys, uh, do you guys think
1: by a chance uh, Clevenger and we police pleased will see the major leagues again this year?
0: Uh, there's a chance. Yeah, sure. There's a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think so.
1: Yeah. I was, I mean, once again, back to Bauer's blog, he, he mentioned that because of the service time rules for this year, uh, he thinks Clevenger would be sent down for sixteen days exactly, because that's the amount of days to guarantee the Indians another year with them before free agency.
0: <laughs> Savage. Hey, that's that's right on point there. Yeah, Trevor Bauer's been uh making a lot of waves lately on Twitter, just calling out Scott Boris and and I don't know, he's he's a busy man on Twitter, that's for sure. But he's he's doing a lot. I mean, he he's pitching pitching pretty well and putting out a lot of blogs and tweets. So. Uh, yeah, if you're if you're into Trevor Bauer, one way or the other, he's he's out there for you. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good question though, just regarding the uh, those specific cases. Um, but like I had mentioned, the Cardinals are gonna have a long schedule ahead of them the rest of the way here, um, and you really just it, it's hard to really contemplate the the impact of seeing multiple teams dealing with um, with breaks like that and having to make up all those games. Luckily, it, it really has just been the, the two teams so far that have really kind of had their schedules uh, thrown out of whack. Uh, the Marlins, you know, still playing doubleheaders the rest of the way. I think they only have five more, maybe? Five more doubleheaders, something like that which is a lot, uh, but it can compile quickly if, if things don't really get better and you, st- and you just keep having teams miss all this time. Like, what happens when this is later in the season? These are questions that are going to come up, uh, maybe haven't come up yet. But, uh, okay, so to transition that into one of the other topics that we wanted to talk about in the prospect of doing a playoff bubble... Uh, similar to how the NBA and the NHL and like and em- almost every other uh, professional sports league out there has been doing, or at least in America, um, and do a either a single site or you know very region locked playoff format. Like, is that something that you foresee actually being the the case, or is it something that is is just kind of thrown out there to uh, to keep people satisfied and like yeah we'll think about it but you know probably won't won't end up happening like where do, where does the follow through stand, uh, Rudy what do you think about all of that?
3: I mean I, I don't think there's even a choice I think if they don't do that it, it's unacceptable and I I really see how why wouldn't it seems to be no excuse why they wouldn't do it to me. Uh, it's totally feasible for proven to work effectively in not just one, not just two, but three major league sports. They still have plenty of time to prepare it, more than enough more than any of the other leagues really had um, in a lot of ways. I, I don't see what I don't see what reason there would be not to do it. Uh, and I think there's some very obvious uh, location options that could easily work. I think you know Southern California, um could be one and another i mean i think you for sure you could see it in the new york metropolitan area i mean i think you don't have to do the thing where people didn't want to do the bubble originally because of the amount of cases in like texas in texas arizona florida etc so i mean i'm all in for it i, I so what i'm curious where you guys lie on. i mean i don't think i think it should be a guarantee if they don't do it i, I think that's grossly negligent and irresponsible
1: I'm in agreement with
3: you. I think there's no way that I, – I i think they have to
1: do it. And I'm kind of going back to your question, Louis, on whether or not they're going to do it. I'm kind of split on this because in traditional MLB fashion, uh, you would think that it wouldn't happen. But this is actually something that they are floating out there in advance. So I don't, I don't know if it's um, – I don't know if it's what you said, like this is just something to satisfy people for now or if they're actually legitimately thinking about it. To me, and likewise, really, I don't think there's any other choice. I think having a playoff bubble, making it the safest possible situation would work. And that, that's that's the only way that, I, that it should happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess it's something that's worth mentioning is that I think the most recent talks that they've had about it did discuss multi-city uh, bubbles, sort of coexisting bubbles in multiple locations, like the NHL is doing. Um, and the other part of that is that there's expanded playoffs this year, in case you forgot about that. There's, there's a lot of teams are making the playoffs this year. There's going to be 16 teams there. So those are just a couple other notes that are worth thinking about there um yeah i've seen like the chicago metropolitan areas seen as one like you mentioned new york uh southern california yeah definitely possible uh i don't think the the sit in the um the level of severity in any of those particular locations will have a huge bearing on the final decision just because in in theory it should be a closed system anyway where there's no outside like this is going to be a bubble not just like a a road trip for a, a regular visiting team right now like this would be a a more closely monitored bubble situation. So yeah, really don't know honestly what the major league baseball is going to end up doing. It it seems like it's it's plenty early to have these talks, but I don't know. The clock's ticking. It's already past past the midway point of August right now. Uh, they gotta decide on these things kinda quickly. So yeah, unless you guys have anything else to add about the playoff bubble, uh we should do it in Toronto. In Toronto. <laughs> in roof in that stadium. Yeah, I'm sure they'd be I'm sure Toronto would be thrilled about that, right?
2: Uh, <laughs> well Toronto and Edmonton are the Angel host cities. Uh, I guess. The reason why the reason why the Blue Jays aren't playing in Toronto now is because there's no bubble, and they don't want them traveling in and out all the time, and teams traveling out all the time. That's
0: why. Oh uh, Maybe, yeah, they're in, they're in Buffalo right now, so yeah.
2: And if, you know why Toronto and Edmonton work so well? Because Canada has like
0: not nearly as many cases. Confidence. Yes. Competence. I I miss confidence, honestly. Well, we can go ahead and move on to a, a different topic now, a non-coronavirus-related topic. I feel like that is the, the sigh of relief that I have in, in all the podcasts now as we move past that. Um, let's talk about just popularity of baseball in the last, in the last uh, month or so here. And more specifically, we'll talk about TV ratings and... And how, and how everything else surrounding that has kind of played out. Um, Rudy, do you wanna go ahead and give like a little context, a little better understanding of, of like where baseball viewership is right now? Sure, so Forbes recently released
3: some interesting metrics that ESPN has saw a 69% increase in the 18 to 34 demographic. And when you expand that to 18 to 49, Still a 57%, 57% increase. Um, that's up significantly uh, with both men and women. And um, in addition to that, uh, Hispanic and African American viewership is also up, especially Hispanic viewership on, um, compared to 2019. So, you know, it's hard to put so much weight in those numbers, but. Considering the one of the main topics of a baseball discussion consistently is, of course, about losing the younger fan demographic. I mean, there seems to be evidence to the contrary. That said, I don't know how much of that has to do, obviously, with just, like, everyone being at home more and having more time to watch baseball. Does that have to do with there being more games on at different times than usual? More good matchups, et cetera, et cetera. I'd be curious to see what you guys think. About those numbers and what they actually might mean.
0: Well, it's obviously because of the runner on the second rule and in extra innings. That's the reason <laughs> why baseball viewership is up. Uh, no, wait, all- are the, the, the games shorter? Seven inning doubleheader. Yep. Oh, that's exactly. true. <laughs> in, um, in all seriousness, though, like up across the board, it's good to see uh, these. These are largely ESPN. Uh, ratings and like demographics right like that's where the data is from here it's all yeah yeah so you know espn's not the biggest outlet of, of baseball media right now even even today like espn is a little bit more starved for for any you know sports <laughs> in general uh so that that could i could see that being a partial contributor is that they've just allocated more resources into their their like baseball promotions and and advertising and in production than they had in the past maybe like the trend kind of reversed there because of this whole situation but yeah I, I don't know i i think it doesn't really paint enough of a picture for me to like be optimistic about the the trajectory of baseball but, but i'm i'm curious to hear what what you I guys mean- have to say
1: I I personally think um, – I'm not – okay, first of all, I'll preface this by this is the first time I've seen these. I'm hearing about this, so I'm glad we're talking about it, and I'm not an expert on this stuff. But I personally think if you combine um, how sports starved a lot of fans were, how many people have been at home for the last four or five months, um, and just the chaos that baseball has um, – has been through uh, as a result of the MLB. uh, The viewership is probably up, and I think a lot of it is also what Uwe said. Of Right now there's other sports that I know the NBA is going to playoffs. The NHL um, has their bubble or had their bubble, um, but there's so much uncertainty about other sports. ESPN probably did put a little bit more, uh, allocate a little bit more of the resources towards baseball overall. Uh, I mean, on, on a personal, on a personal level, I, I have seen a much larger amount of my friends, uh, from school talking baseball I've seen uh, my, my baseball group chat has been <laughs> blowing up way more than it ever has. And I, I genuinely from, uh, maybe it's naive. I genuinely feel like it is partially just because we are all at home and Baseball is one of the few things that'll um, distract us from uh, the pandemic and from what's going on politically. Uh, so I, that that's my best guess. It does scare me though because if you show these numbers to the MLB, they'll think that what they're doing is working, so they're going to keep it up. Um,
0: so yeah,
1: I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that helped you.
0: No, I think I think that's that's all pretty pretty fairly assessed there. Um, but
3: do you guys think though there's something to be said about the value of a the heightened uh entertainment value of a shortened season potentially where every game means that much more? So I I do think that you know for statistical purposes, it's comfortable for the length of the season to always be the same. But I do think there is merit in a shortened season being an overall more entertaining product.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. If you have a, if you have 60 games versus 162, um, any fan, whether they're casual or not, will know, oh, I only have 60 games to watch my favorite team before the playoffs, whether or not they make it. Or a hey, if with 162, if you can't get tickets for a game, if you can't watch a game on TV that night, you're like, eh, it's not that big a deal. I'll watch tomorrow's. Or I'll watch something in a couple weeks, or I'll go to something in a couple of weeks. I, I think that's part of it. It is more entertaining, and it has more of a, there's, I mean, demand supply. There's more, there's less of it, so people want to make sure they're watching what they can.
0: I I don't know from my viewership perspective. I haven't really felt that difference of you know, the stakes mattering more at every game that I've turned on and watched. And I watch a decent amount of think baseball this from, is... from multiple multiple sides. Like it's not. It's not just that it's because I'm I'm a bit more of like the trained baseball eye than than some other like casual viewers. it, it definitely doesn't seem like teams and in, in broadcasts or, or anything like that is is being amped up to the point of where this is like a down the stretch playoff game. Like it, does that make sense? Like it still feels like a, a middle yeah. middle of summer baseball game. And there's I, there's not a crazy I, I, I different atmosphere. Yeah. I concur with you. The fact that we're a third of the way
2: through the season and that I really don't care about the standings because it just still seems too early to care about them. Like, yeah, to me, there hasn't been that, you know, stretch or playoff atmosphere that you would expect, you know, oh. in a normal August um, or or September.
1: So,
3: yes. Yeah, so I don't feel do at all, to be honest. Yeah, interesting I, I, I don't know if the- – sorry, sorry, Rudy. Uh, uh, that's, no, go ahead.
1: I – I I know you mentioned that uh, you you watch it with like a baseball eye, but I think it's different for us being. I mean, we talk about baseball, we podcast about baseball. We are diehard baseball fans, and yes, we're going to watch baseball no matter how many games there are, and it's going to feel like it's a normal season, at least as much like a normal season as it as it can be. So, like, yes, I do feel that. Oh, it's in August it's it's just a regular august game but at the same time when i look up at the at the schedule at the standings and my angels are 7-15 they have, they only have like 38 games left and they only have a certain amount of games to even finish 500 so that that for me it's more entertaining being like okay you only have a certain amount of games to even try to be relevant does that make sense
0: for yes for your fan yes. for your fan loyalty like purposes, yeah, and, and I I don't suppose that it's it, it, that it goes it's,
1: beyond just the angels. It goes like towards any other like team, any other. It, it's not necessarily yeah. you're looking at the standings just because oh we're the what the Yankees are 15 and six. Yeah, okay, but there's it, it goes just it goes beyond just me trying to figure out how many wins the Angels need to have to finish 500.
0: It's every game means more, so it's it is a little bit more entertaining. But yeah. I just don't know that it's any different than the middle of August in any other year because when you get to that point in the season anyway, if you if you follow your team you're like, Oh, there's there's not a whole lot of time left. Like this like we gotta go now. Like and and some teams are, are coasting, I mean, some teams are I like, Well there's still a lot of time left. Though, but it, it, because, Okay. I, I just don't know if that's like a,
3: a, a completely direct comparison though, because it's not like is this well, let me ask you, is this this isn't equivalent to mid-August of a regular season in terms of like amount of games played percentage-wise is it I think no I
0: think I think it's more about like what's what's left to go like what's ahead like what's the future of of this season look like that's the outlook Like, I I mean I, I I personally think the baseball season
3: is most entertaining when the standings are the least determined and it's kind of just uh every man for yourself race, uh, where the teams seem more equitable before. Whereas like that that like period during the summer every year from kind of May to August where the teams really distance themselves is I feel like usually the slog where you have trade deadline and all star game to kind of break it up. But it's it's I don't think it's exciting for me personally as a fan. I don't find it exciting to like watch like the Mariners drop like fifty games in the standings every year or something. Like it's to me, it's more interesting to see, like, oh, the Orioles could be somehow making are in playoff contention, like, uh, you know, a third of the way into the season. That's pretty cool. Like, I, I don't know. That's just why I. Am and on I, it.
1: I, I, think there's a difference between you saying yes, okay, I, I agree with you, where this is technically like any, any team situation in, in August at this point. There's a finite number of games left, and you are where you are in your standings. That's true, but I think what rudy was asking overall is every game um i mean game one in march march 31st versus game one of a 60 game season july 24th there's much different that like each game's quote-unquote important but it is more there's a heightened importance in a 60 game season on game one which makes it more entertaining in my eyes
2: Yeah, I mean, but to to bring it back to the numbers question, I don't think that's the primary driver of, like, the ESPN increase. I think it's just uh, baseball's taking up a higher percentage of things on during the day and more people at home. I mean, I but to Rudy's point about, like, everybody's equal in the standings, the standings at this point are kind of just evening out. Um, There's not a whole lot of, you know, super surprises. There's there's no – you know, crazy teams that are leading divisions. I mean, you know, Colorado's kind of that surprise team. Miami's doing whatever. They had a COVID thing. Who knows? Like, but like, there's not that total chaos that we thought might happen with this. So it it's it is kind of feeling just like that mid-August. You know, the teams that are supposed to be winning are winning, and the teams that are supposed to be losing are losing.
0: Uh, I I don't know about that. And just just to wrap it up, really, like, yeah, I we can't know for sure exactly what what drove this this increase in, in ratings from ESPN or what have you. It could just be as simple as people missed baseball. You know, you don't you don't miss it until it's gone type of deal. And now it's back. People are excited about it again. It, it could be just as simple an explanation as that. Uh, whatever the case is, it's always good to see more people engaged. I just hope it continues uh, through the rest of the season, through the playoffs, which hopefully will happen in a bubble. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a good place to leave off of that conversation for now. Um, yeah, not not much else really for today. I guess one one other thing we can throw in there real quick too is that the uh, the Arod Mets ownership saga has kind of progressed a little bit with the Wilpons saying that like Arod is the uh, I guess Favorite. the favor the favored uh, buyer at this point. But uh, there there could be more to talk about there really soon, and that would be really interesting to see Arod uh, at the helm. So to speak.
1: I really, I, I, really hope that we have Arod and Jeter both have a team in the NL East. That'd be so funny.
0: That oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. That that whole, that whole point of view there. That they're gonna be directly competing against each other there, huh? Uh, yeah. do you guys have any other, any other things to add to the uh, the Arod Mets situation? i we'll to
3: just sell the team. I don't care who.
0: Just do it. Just do it, all right, just I, do it already. As, I,
3: I, I think as a neutral, a J-Lo, A-Rod, New York City team is going to be incredibly entertaining, and I'm all for it. So bring it on.
0: All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for today. Thanks, everybody, for joining us and sticking around this long if you, if you did make it this far. Uh, if you enjoyed it, make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to our podcast uh, wherever you're listening. Check out our website, beattheshiftbaseball.com. It's where all, all our podcasts are, as well as any articles. Like Ray mentioned earlier, he has let out a little bit of a, a ranty article about the uh, the coronavirus situation, so that's where it is. And also, social media, at BeatTheShiftBP, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We've been starting to put out a little bit more on Instagram for you guys, and that's the best way to uh, interact with us. So go ahead and Follow us there. Connect with us there. Anyway, that is going to do it for today. Thank you, everybody. One last time, as always, farbode. Peace.